Oh my goodness, we're back. And we're a full crew. <laughs> all two of us. All, uh, all 10, 10 or 15, 20% of the WSB traffic team right here for you. Welcome to the WSB traffic podcast. And we're going to tell you today why exactly we need every member of this team because we're about to cover some havoc that has broken out on the roads. And we're going to mention, by the way, the fall travel pattern here and what we've noticed. Now, it's not that we're maybe ever going to be post-COVID, but now that we're past shutdowns and we're in the first full swing of fall season. We'll get to that toward the end, though. And we've also got an interview coming up, part three of three from Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance's agent, Coleman Fisher there. I had a great talk with him talking about buying cars and the best way to approach that. Doug Fireball Turnbull from the traffic team. I'm in the Skycopter in the afternoons. Smiling Mark McKay in the Skycopter in the mornings. And look, and you've actually, we're in fall now, so I'm not getting interrupted by thunderstorms. The summer fog is not keeping you down as much, although that gets interesting still sometimes of the Christina Edwards-inspired weather patterns. But uh, And we get to get her on the podcast later she on. She would we, be fun. We, we had Mellish on. I want to have Mellish one more time before he's done done. He's still doing a lot of digital stuff for us. We need to get Christina on and... I mean, we, we've already done our pre-podcast meeting with her at the OK Cafe, haven't yeah, we? So yeah. we, we don't need to, we don't have to prep her too much for the curveballs we could throw. But, uh, so, so the weather has not kept us on the ground as much lately. And in fall, with these brilliant clear skies, the, the lack of precipitation, we're getting to fly a lot more. And you, sir, Especially before this time, James, you, sir, are, t- are taking some brilliant sunrise pictures. Yeah, and that's probably the best part of the day on a positivity note. The best part of my day, whether it's uh, negative in terms of having to deal with crashes and delays, we try to get people around them. But also, if you go to the social media pages that we have on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, you get to see what we see on a regular basis, and we get to share it with the world. So it's a, you know, for us, it's mixed reviews. You have to get out there, you have to see the bad, and sometimes it's terrible what we see, but sometimes it's very beautiful as well. Uh, it certainly is. And, and, and by the way, when we finally get the shorter days, and I'm a huge summer fan, I like it being sunny till 9 p.m., all right? That, that's me. Like sunny, hot. hot, sweaty, all the things that you, you're spitting pumpkin spice latte out of your nostrils right now because I'm saying that. But I got to tell you, I do get to see sunsets in, in the last third or so of the year and then into the beginning of the next year. So when it's cooler, I do get to finally take some smiling-esque sunset pics, especially after when the time change happens here. So we're very thankful you all could join us, and it's been a while since both of us have been on and so what we want to do is not only download about fall traffic conditions and talk to coleman fisher from georgia farm bureau insurance later but we just we've had several marquee incidents unfold on the roads and that's probably a topic smiling besides COVID traffic patterns or something that we've covered the most here and we have had some doozies in just the last little while but we've got to start we're, we're recording this a little bit before you're hearing it just this morning just October this morning, October 21st. Thank you. I was about yeah. to look at the date. October yeah. 20, and there it is on the screen. October 21st, you guys, you, Veronica Harrell, Ashley Frasca, Mike Shields, in no particular order, dealt with uh, uh, quite a problem. So I'd like you to lay out the timeline there and who did what and how, because it's we don't see it every day. Did you see S? Uh, did you say the word uh, problems? Because it it started, and you oh, mentioned yes. you mentioned Christina. Uh, our day started with uh, on the 21st. This uh, terrible, terrible Thursday morning rush started on the north side perimeter with a crash that wouldn't go away out of three right lanes, 25 westbound at Ashford Dumbledy Road or in the 6 o'clock hour. Christina gets in touch with me and says, hey, that north side perimeter jam is showing up on the radar. What? When you look behind what we were watching in the skycopter from above the crash and you see nothing but lights all the way back before Peachtree Industrial Boulevard, apparently that reflection reflected into the radar and she actually tweeted out, Showers that were moving across the northern suburbs, and she put a circle going, this is traffic coming out of Doraville toward Dunwoody, which was stopped because basically only two lanes were getting by. So that was, you know, that was problem number one. And, and what time was that roughly? That was around, you know, shortly after we took off at 6, 6.15. Okay, so so you have that. And I, and I saw Mike Shields, he's really good about tweeting little videos and yep. stuff. I did see that, and right when I woke up this morning at 6.15, so I, I saw that then. So you're dealing with that, oh, that sucks, and it's, it's right about the time everybody's really getting stirred up and going, and then it just, you think, okay, that's enough. It wasn't enough. No, and the second problem unfolded out of the northern suburbs, 400 got hit. 400 got hit with a terrible crash that was on left, right side of the roadway in that work zone, the beginning of the work zone, mm. top end of that work zone at the North Springs Marta Station, where you have those lanes constricted anyway, 
two uh, two vehicles in the left lane, one that was knocked completely out, the lights were out, in the right. So you had now the Roswell to 400 stretch into Sandy Springs all jammed up. And but then, it ain't over yeah, yet. Let's just keep going, man. You know, we're, we're, we share a mic here in the Captain Herb Ballroom in Shambly, all right? And, and so, uh, you know, we're both vaccinated. We're both we're uh, socially distant six inches apart. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but, but uh, I want to – okay. And that's enough. And, and I got to say, morning drive still, especially the first half of it, I mean, you know, you can get in a rhythm where it's, yeah, fine, 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 fine. And this is why you need triple team traffic every six minutes. All it takes is one person's – Incorrect jerk of the steering wheel, and, and then it's problem after problem. So, so we've got problem one, two eighty-five West Ash Dunn. Problem two, Ashford Dunwoody. Sorry, traffic lingo. Ashford Dunwoody, exit twenty-nine. Then we've got four hundred north up above two eighty-five, and that's jamming two eighty-five both ways. But two eighty-five needed another cup of coffee. Sure did. And you mentioned the first half, and we kind of look at the first half as to when the Skycopter, uh, you know, we begin obviously before 4, get going on air at 4.30, but the Skycopter comes in because of fuel uh, concerns. We land at 7.30 for a quick break back up. I said to our pilot, Jim, and videographer, uh, Brett, when they left, and I'm, I'm continuing on doing traffic, and then all of a sudden we're given a red alert on the west side perimeter, and uh, Ashley Frasca says, take a look at what I just sent you. And she sent me a screen grab of the uh, jam cam, a fully involved, huge vehicle fire on 285 South, the outer loop at Washington Road. While that was happening, 575 was shut down with a terrible head-on. I'm not going to speculate whether it was a wrong-way driver, but it was a terrible crash. We ended up flying up there. So that red alert infected, affected folks coming in from Canton toward Holly Springs into Woodstock. But that west side perimeter crash was right. one of these vivid ones that when you can explain it, I sent a picture to Scott Slade so he saw how bad it was. He goes, oh, my God, what a mess. And this is one of those that uh, Veronica Harrell, uh, her Twitter feed, just look her up, Ashley Frasco on her Twitter feed, Mike Shields on his, were all taking, like, separate cell phone yes. videos of this prolific fire and, uh, and, 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 and putting it out. It's one of those that, I mean, I would like to think that that's one that we remember later on. And these things are so ephemeral. We, we see these terrible wrecks. We'll talk about it for hours, and then it's like it didn't happen just a week later. You don't even remember what day it was, right? I think this is one we'll remember on 285 South at Washington Road, exit one. And as that was going on, you had a choice to make in the Skycopter. Yeah. We're going to take a deep dive on that one because I know there's more to explain about the 285 crash. You had a choice to make because hey, that, that's near the airport, really tough to even get within a sniff of that fire. You had I-20 in East Atlanta. There was at least a temporary red alert to jerk a crash to the right. And, and that doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you have that to t- decide about, plus the one on 575, I think there was a 400 thing in Alpharetta, too, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that was out southbound one at North Springs. Yeah. It was. Oh, it was south and north. So, okay. All right. That, what 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 influenced your decision when you knew when you retook off after the, after the pause there in middle of morning drive? What influenced your decision to go where? Where did you go and why? My want would have been to go direct from PDK to Hartsfield. <laughs> yeah, right. But there's the complication. We will pull back. We have to, to get into Hartsfield airspace. We have to go to a much higher altitude over the former Turner Field, the Georgia State Center Park Stadium, get permission to come in. And if it's on the other side of the airport, go over the airport, go over the runways. That takes time. If they're landing planes, that's right down one of the landing ramps, either takeoff or landing, right at the end of the runway on the west side. So, obviously, I think to myself, well, there's no way we can get in there. We've been in there before. We've been low. They've allowed us to be – I would love to have gone there. But we had we had a jam cam on it. We had a constant camera on that. We didn't have a good camera on the 575 crash. So, timing-wise, it was to go direct from Shambly to Holly Springs, and we go cross-country, and we get up there just before 8 o'clock, and it's still shut down. So, yeah, you got to make those decisions. You have to make the decisions in terms of based on how far away it is, uh, access to the crash, and the fire, as it turned out. And the first thing we think of, and the pilots may say yes or no, but as it turned out, our pilot said, well, I could have asked for permission, but it was a fueling issue, too. You have to wait until the controllers are done landing and taking off these jets at Hartsfield to get to us to say, okay, we can get you. Where do you need to go again? That process takes a lot longer. If it happened in the first half of the flight, we have much more time to work with. The back half of the flight, we've got concerns because we have to be back on the ground by 8.30. And, and that's the, the that's the thing. It's the beginning of the flight. You go from 6 a.m. to 7.30. Right. And the back half of the flight, it's like 7.42 or 7.45, right up until 8.30. And there's just enough fuel to do that safely. They're like the safe zone of fuel. There's a certain place right. on the fuel gauge where you only use that place 
in an emergency. You Call don't ever, reserves, yeah. Yeah, reserves. we just they don't ever want to go below whatever, even if you technically could. So that that's how we decided what to cover. Of course, you, you and the team smiling. I mean, I owe you guys breakfast. I picked up yours this morning, Thank but I owe you. the rest Thank of. Thank you. And I'm not saying that to pat on the back, but we owe the rest of them breakfast because Shields, Frasca, and Harrell had their hands full. And as we record this, and that won't mean anything to you if you're listening weeks later or something, but as we record this, Veronica still has her hands full with this 285 problem. This problem's been going on now for three hours. So why is this crash that and fire that shut down 285 South of Washington Road in East Point, College Park area, why is that still active? Uh, well, initially, the reports were, I asked, what when I saw the first picture, I said, what do we have here? And the initial reports were two tractor trailers uh, crashed, overturned, caught fire. There are reports now a third one may have been involved in that mess. So what you have is a tangled mess. It took the firefighters, I timed it because we first got word of it at 7.30. When we landed, they were just putting out the fire at 8.30. It burned for an hour. Now think about the road damage. Think about the, think about the median damage that's there. Uh, there are a lot of, and then even keeping behind the scenes and the way that we all click, uh, everyone's in their mode, all right? We've got to get news on board. They have the lead story. The Braves win. Braves win. One one way. Uh, I need a traffic lead because now the biggest local story immediately. Great story of Braves. We need to tell people to avoid the west side perimeter. Think about the people heading to the airport that use that west side perimeter. I just said don't go below I-20. Stay, if you got to I-20, go east. Go into downtown. And that's the message you want to get in every form necessary, whether it's the Triple Team Traffic Alerts app, the push alerts we put out, the radio. You want to paint a picture. I'm going to just come down the west side perimeter. You get below I-20 in Camp Creek Parkway, 166, you're going to be in a parking lot. And that, the best advice you gave all morning, I, I, it's so easy to get wrapped up in, this is the interstate and this is it's shut down. It's it's the next part because you painted a vivid picture. I mean, two we found out three later tractor trailers, a tremendous amount of flame, debris. I heard Veronica Harrell in a report after you had logged off, uh, smiling, talking about they're having to unload wooden pallets yeah, off of the truck fire. that caught yes. fire. My gosh, so you have gasoline, you got wooden pallets, but and that's a great vivid picture to paint. And a lot of traffic reporters that you watch all over the country or listen to TV and radio stop there. And they say, big jam, and then tell you all this, the art about it. But the thing that we give, and, I, and I'm, I'm saying the whole team, not just you and me, but the thing you gave smiling this morning, 285 South, just right now, guys, this has just happened. Don't even plan on going below I-20, exit 10. Don't even do it. Take it into downtown Atlanta and head to the airport that way. To me, that was my takeaway. I mean, yes, traffic nerd, hello. But that's what I took away. Well, I, I and you would hope any motorist that's visualizing that, uh, our pilot just yesterday at uh, another back-to-back breakfast with him said, "Yeah, the one thing about traffic reporters, what they don't do is, you know, I got I got to know about it, or I'm going to get stuck." That's in my mind. I'm, I'm thinking of the folks coming out of the western suburbs, going to make that transition onto 285 South from I-20, or that main, you know, that's one of the main airport routes besides going through downtown. You get off at Camp Creek, use that west side perimeter out of Cobb County. We've had so many incidents on the west side mm. in the morning hours. Uh, that's truck traffic is certainly huge up and down that west side perimeter. Uh, just a terrible crash. Don't know, uh, as, as of this airing, this taping, we don't know, uh, any of the injuries or such, but, yeah. uh, when really you see that, crash, no, right? we, we don't have an idea. No. It could have been a, you know, a Miata yeah. that swerved in right. them that causes the truck driver to make a mistake themselves. Hey, so I want to get to that. Well, there's a lot of talk and we're not doing a whole topic about the supply chain and all that stuff. We each have only limited glimpses of how that affects us or why it happens. If you want to do your part to help the supply chain shortage, everybody, don't drive like a douchebag around a truck. How about that? We can say that in the podcast. Well, I won't say D-bag on WSB. Yeah. But, but really, like, and trucks need to own their part of their mistakes, too. But if you make one of your swift little tailgate slingshot pass moves around a truck and they have to jump on those brakes... That could cause the truck to jack. Now it just it, there's many things that could happen, and then that truck is full of yeah. of, uh, of trinket of, of fake pearls that we've ordered off Amazon <laughs> to celebrate Jock Peterson, and then it crashes, right? And then and then you create a traffic problem and you delay more supplies. Yeah, I mean, it's just being smart, being being careful, uh, being alert. I had a little perspective uh, last weekend. I went to Dallas, Texas. Oh. And a friend of mine who just moved to Dallas earlier this year had never been to Dallas in term other than visiting and now living there for the better part of a year. Says, I thought traffic was bad in Atlanta. Here's what everyone in Dallas does, and we're seeing it in Atlanta too. Man. Exiting the interstates at a 90 degree angle between cars. And 
I, I actually put something up on Twitter. I actually put something about Dallas on there that I was away, and I, another comment was the exact same thing. So the terrible drivers aren't just Atlanta, Metro Atlanta, no. but all over, but those cities. But yeah, don't just don't do that. A recent study said, and I, you know, yeah, this is like a Von Hessler doctrine <laughs> segment here. Study surveys, polls, and you're like, okay, the study. But a recent study said, and I'm not saying the source. It's just one of the press releases we get. Georgia has the 23rd worst drivers in the country. And I was thinking, you know, I either want to have the best drivers or I want to have the worst. Like, 23rd does nothing for me. Like, come on. Like, like if I had to sit with the 23rd worst drivers, I want to be the 50th worst. Yeah. Or I want to be, like, in the top five. But don't give me 23rd. I can't even say I'm in the bottom half worst. Like, well, come on. <laughs> that now brings up another stat that I heard as we head into the fall here. And this yeah. can transition our, our next topic. We're almost up to 40% of the people, maybe 30, I heard the news, do 35, 40% now going back to the offices. Now, are, and we're really seeing it. I'm seeing it in Morning Drive. Here's, here's as we continue to follow this, and if you follow our podcast, how we've progressively seen since the pandemic. Still, we are still in a pandemic, but... Now that we're getting back with vaccinations and coming into the yeah. coming into the office, I'm seeing uh, in Metro Atlanta the solid flow of traffic that starts to flow uh, flow into the city from the northern, western, southern suburbs. The delay starting at 6:30 now, 6:30, oh. 6:45. Oh, as opposed to as a, well, when we pre-pandemic it was six. I see. If you didn't get out the door before six, you were stuck. Now, if you don't get out before 6:30, 6:45 by seven. Then the potential for trouble with more vehicles on the road between 7 and 9. Still a late blooming rush hour for sure. Hey, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the fall traffic pattern, but we got to get some other uh, whiz bang. Yeah. We got to get our clickbait out of the way. Let's face it, we yeah. got to get our clickbait going here. <laughs> no, but really, and, and I don't mean to take lightly because we're talking about instances where people got hurt and lost lives, but these are the things that grab headlines and transition from a traffic story to a news story. So we covered this smoky, terrible, fiery 285 crash. That may have actually, and we don't know, could have caused, at the time of recording, don't know, could have caused damage to the road. When you have fire and a lot of it, as we saw with I-85 four years ago, things happen. Now, let, let's get from um, from covering that to let me talk about two or three things that have happened during my drive times. Then I want to talk about your perspective on a non-traffic story that involved you and, and aviation because I, that was huge. So on our end, we had... The Monday before last, so what was that, the 13th or so, we had a woman who was, uh, no, it was, the, it was the week before that. It was like October the 4th or so, right? We had a woman who was outside of her vehicle, had just been in, had a problem, and was standing on the I-5 bridge south of Georgia. All we, all we know, or knew at the time is that Atlanta Fire was responding to reports of a pedestrian hit. My, Mike Shields and I heard it on the scanners, right? Mm -hmm. 85 South. They had 85 South at 75. And I'm thinking, I wish they would stop dispatching things like that. That's, like, so ambiguous. Okay. And, and, and what they ended up finding was not a pedestrian hit, 85 South at 75. They found a woman that had been thrown from a bridge, 85 South, south of 400, very close to the actual span that collapsed four years ago. And I wrote about it at Gridlock, guys, like this infamous bridge. It wasn't the exact same piece that right. fell, but still, it was close. And here's how it unfolded. There was a gentleman, I'm not mentioning names of people and stuff, but there was a gentleman that was racing somebody on 85 South that came up on the normal backup that's there every afternoon south of 400. This lady's on the shoulder with her in a minor crash standing outside her vehicle, which is also, you have to do it sometimes, but it's very risky. And... He clipped another car, lost control, and crashed under her car on the shoulder, and it threw her oh my gosh. off the bridge. She fell on the lawn below in front of the Hero headquarters, the Highway Emergency Response Operator headquarters. Again, very close to where that 85 bridge collapse happened, where they store Hero units. A couple of employees at the Hero Depot did emergency service on her, did medical service on her until Atlanta Fire showed up, and it saved her life. And she, she had severe injuries. There's a GoFundMe for her. I'll put a link out in our Traffic Troopers page and our social media to the GoFundMe. I, I'm sorry I don't have it in front of me right now. but And, and of course, that involved an investigation because they didn't know if she was going to make it. They shut down 85 at one point. State Patrol did. And it was all caused by racing. Two things. Um, first of all, for them to determine that, because thing, sequence, those things happen so fast. For them to be able to determine how that happened, for her to land where she did, the grassy area as uh -huh. opposed to pavement. Uh -huh. And then I saw, subsequently saw a story. Her friend was down below on a phone to her trying to f figure out, I'm going to come up and get you. Where are you located? She saw on a Channel 2 Action News story her friend fall 
while she was on plasters down below saying, "Where are you? Where are you? Okay, I'm gonna be able to. I'm gonna have to go and get oh, you." No. So I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't see the Channel yeah. Two store. See, so I wrote saw, a gridlock guy one part of that, and then they had another uh, tantalizing part of that story. So, so she has a big the sequence of events. In, amazing. And, and her father, the lady that fell's father, was a longtime Atlanta Fire employee, and another former Fire employee who is a reader of Gridlock Guy and had been in touch with me before is, is the one that told me about just that connection and how she's doing. So she's, she miraculously survived, but it was the selfish decision of one person, the racing, and then a risky decision of hers to be standing outside your car on the shoulder. I mean, if you got a minor damage, get back in your vehicle. Uh, Natalie Dale, I talked to her about this story, not to get quotes, but just context. And, and she said... The, we say all the time, the safest place you could be if you're stranded on a freeway is inside your yeah, vehicle. Yeah. At least you got some steel and rubber and plastic around you. You don't have that if, you, if you're just flesh and bone standing yeah. outside of it. And I'm not saying that to throw shade on her. We've all had to get out of our vehicles on the road at some point. It's This is why you shouldn't, because you never know what could go wrong. So that's one thing we covered. And then this, and we've had several, I mean, when you have a difference in speed, when you have people that are racing each other versus traffic beginning to slow, and it doesn't have to be that extreme. Anytime there's a friction point in rush hours, the transition from midday to PM drive, mm -hmm. the transition from wide open morning drive to usually that's when we see the most crashes is the change in speed as a congregation overall in Metro Atlanta. So that's where we've, that's where we usually see the most problems. And we've had a lot of bad crashes, but here's a couple of odd things that didn't have to do with traffic flow that happened that we covered just this week. On Tuesday, it bookended our Tuesday PM drive, October the 19th. At the beginning of PM drive, I get a text from uh, Glenn McDaniel, who's yeah. the owner of Slopes Barbecue in Sandy Springs. Okay. He goes, I've just seen State Patrol crash somebody and, and it happened over here on Brandon Mill Road. And I'm like, whoa. Oh, that's big. Okay. And I and I happen to, I'm leaning my hand on my iPad right now. This iPad I'm leaning on is where I listen to the Sandy Springs police scanner. I've got an array of devices in here and listen to about 13 channels at once or so when I'm in here. No surprise that I have mental issues. Uh, so that's, yeah, but it, it's, uh, you know, yeah, just smiling's like, yeah, I mean. But it, <laughs> that's, that's an art in itself when you can be yeah. doing a number of things and multitasking. We all do it. When you hear the code for a crash or a crash with injuries, it gets our attention. Right. So you hear this blah, 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 jam, jammer, then what, what, where's that yeah. intersection? Yeah. yeah. So, and, 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 was, and Mike Shields was listening to the same feed. He was remote at, at his house in Dallas. Georgia. Yes. <laughs> so we hear this, and and it's not just, okay, I mean, police chase is big enough, but but my immediate thought was, okay, it ended, but it ended on Brandon Mill Road, that's a neighborhood, more of a news story, we'll just keep tabs on it, but as soon as I'm texting with Glenn, we've got other big traffic problems going on, okay, i got other stuff to pay attention to, mm -hmm. It's like, then we hear, shots fired, Oh. get the glass breaker, <laughs> we hear, uh, we hear... Send EMS. So then I don't know. Is it the suspect or an officer or both that are at least wounded? Is it safe to send EMS in here now? Wow. So we're here. There's some kind of standoff. And what it was, they were chasing. Oh, and then we heard uh, we're, uh, GSP was chasing a murder suspect. Mm. So that's their. And I don't have the person's name. It's not important. GSP was chasing a murder suspect, and they ended up um, crashing. We ended up crashing. Um, uh, they ended up crashing there on Brandon Mill Road, just north of Johnson Ferry Road, and and basically that's how it ended. And the suspect ended up shooting himself. I don't know their condition. I don't know anything about that. But it was a big story. At the end of Tuesday PM drive, Alex Williams gets a call from one of our traffic troopers who called us. There's a button on our WSB Radio app and our Triple Team Traffic Alerts app. And and they called us, and they said there's been a bridge collapse in Newton County. And, of course, we hear bridge collapse, and it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, gosh. you know. <laughs> and But they're working on the access road, uh, essentially, that runs next to I-20 there at Almond Road, exit 88, just outside of Covington. The, they were, it was a scheduled bridge demo. They were slowly taking apart a bridge. And, and I knew you flew over it, so I want your perspective after I say this. But, essentially, they were sawing on the, the bridge somewhere, and the deck fell straight into the Yellow River. Three workers injured. They had to get rescued from the river, and one of them passed away. And I know you flew over it, so I want you to spend just a couple moments here explaining what you saw, because that was crazy. It didn't cause a huge traffic problem for us, but we, but again, it unfolded in real time, and I think that's the benefit of 
having humans over only robots telling you about your ride. No, we took it up uh, the next morning when we took the Skycopter out east to check the uh, scene out where they brought in a 500-ton crane to uh, pick up what was literally the construction equipment that fell. And, and there was a pickup. There was a work truck that was involved. There was also uh, a backhoe, I believe, at least a big piece of heavy equipment that uh, fell on that section that then fell subsequently went into the, the river. So the investigation will continue into that. Uh, it did not affect I-20 proper, but it certainly was something that uh, caught our attention and caught motorists uh, heading into and out of Newton County. But I have even one more incident to pass along what? in what has become an October that lives up to its month as being scary and, and, and frightening. Mike Shields pulled into the traffic center a couple of mornings ago at 4 o'clock, heard gunshots in Midtown. Oh, Ashley Frasca, yes, yes, yes. Ashley, Ashley rolls in at 4.15 to get ready for the 4.30 shift and hears sirens. They're putting it all together. We then hear that Midtown's West Peachtree is shut down between 10th and 14th, an active shooter. So Channel 2 dispatches Kristen Holloway. She gets on the scene. We know that they've, we, we, before we take off at six, we're told the suspect is contained but not captured. <laughs> APD got in touch with Channel 2 Action News. Their assignment desk says, please don't uh, fly your chopper down here. We had to avoid all of Midtown yeah. and Downtown until they, they, they cleared the situation. That, so that's adding to what has been a yeah. crazy fall. It has. And that was the same building where we had the crane collapse that's a few right. months ago, like April, May. And I should look it up. I, I'm sorry I don't know the date off the top of my head. And, by the way, a lot of these things jump out. And, and it's, and we're, so we're switching from things that were big traffic problems to big news stories that traffic ended up covering right. because we have our ears so close to the police scanners. We're taking calls. And with the helicopter, we have a resource that they could use to get to glean information about that and and or stay away from it in that, in that case uh, and, and West Peachtree being shut down at 14th on paper to a news person sounds like a huge traffic story and it's an inconvenient traffic story but when you have Peachtree and Spring and Juniper and Piedmont all right next to it traffic figures itself out especially when you have only a percentage of the workforce going back the bigger inconvenience was the people that had to leave their buildings and stayed right. outside for hours and, and how go, scary it was yeah, I mean, and, and that's yes uh, when you think about that and, and there was unconfirmed reports that the uh, the shooter was actually shooting at the APD choppers so uh, oh, they did not want us in there from any and, and a lot of jurisdictions will do that sometimes jurisdictions have asked us for our help yeah. in locating suspects I remember in Marietta many years ago we were, we went over a scene where a guy had gone into a building and they wanted us to take a look at the roof area because the, the, the folks up there didn't either, either have their own chopper or Georgia State Patrol hadn't launched theirs so I do remember us relaying information to help the police so uh, we will be involved as much as we can be involved or we'll back off if asked to because it's a very tenuous situation gosh uh, it's unreal and did, did you what that situation was kind of, was kind of resolved by seven or eight o'clock right is that it, i think it was open by nine yeah open by yeah. nine so okay. did y'all ever fly near there was no. there a point okay you just no. stayed away okay um, pardon the computer noise. I had to restart the internet. Thankfully, we're not using a Teams call right now. We're okay. actually in person in the Captain Herb Ballroom, so forgive that. That's me connecting back to WSC's inside baseball. Everybody needs to know. Hey, c coming up before we talk about one more prolific story that Smilin specifically was involved in covering. Uh, I wanted to mention that, again, coming up, Coleman Fisher from Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance is going to be on to talk about uh, buying cars and the right time to shop around for insur insurance and all of that. I think that's a big deal, especially when there's, well, the car shortage right now or the computer chip shortage. So right. be sure to stick for that. I mean, you're here, you're committed, you're 30 minutes in, so we hope that you'll stay for a few more. All right, smiling. Um, and, and I say, that's what I call you all the time. That's a natural thing. I oh, say it you. when the mic is off. But th this is something that is a very grave situation. I'm driving to Charlotte to cover uh, my last NASCAR race of the year for PRN. And, and I start getting texts. So Chris Chandler was the first one to text me. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I'm driving guy. You know, so I mean, I get the thing to read me the text or whatever. You know, I can't really, I can't interact with it. And then I start to see, you know, out of the core of my eye, the push alerts are popping. And it's, and it's October the 9th. Eighth, whatever day it was, the fr Friday of that, and uh, and it's a plane crash at PDK, which 
the first thing I'm not thinking of is even traffic. I'm just thinking, oh man, that's near where our buddies work. That's uh, there's a lot of factors. We you and I know both know if I can talk. You and I both know a lot of people that fly in and out of that airport. You know air traffic controllers. The very next day you had a banquet to host there, and I want you to talk about that. But it, it turned out it was a very sad day at PDK. Didn't affect traffic, but it was something that you were very much involved in covering and relaying info. No, but that's that's one of the first things we want to do is is nail down exactly. Uh, where it happened, uh, we'll let the NTSB d- determine how it happened, but in our mode is where it happened and what, for me, the impact on any kind of roads, because I did cover a plane crash out of PDK that affected 285 a few years ago. Oh, yes, we both did, 2015. That's yeah. right. May yeah. of 15, that was one of the most unreal things we've ever covered. So I'm a consumer of 95.5 WSB as much as I'm a participant and a purveyor of information. So when we're working the double shift, which... Finishes morning drive at 9, picks up back at 2.30 till 7 on p.m. you got to get an app where you're going to go absolutely bananas. You're not going to be able to talk in p.m. drive. You need to like me. <laughs> so uh, I had just woken up and uh, happened to turn on the 1.30 news, and they led with the breaking news. And shortly thereafter, that's when Veronica got in touch with me. And so I started uh, started gathering info. I, first person I went to was our pilot, Bob Howdy. Uh, the pilots do stay at PDK all day. They fly a, They fly a split morning and afternoon flights. But they're there, they're there during the day. Immediately got in touch with him. He started hearing about it. My first thought, Doug, that it was on the north side of the air, airport. I thought, well, okay, maybe Shambly Tucker Road's affected. Mm. So then I get in touch with, um, and then out of the blue, <laughs> this is totally unrelated. We had a busy morning, a busy week. Yeah. Scott Slade, one of the nicest men you'd ever make, meet, sure. sent me a text saying, hey, you may be here from other sources, but great job this week. This is Friday afternoon at 1.30. He's sending me a text saying, Nice job with traffic this week. Can uh, you believe that? that? Yeah. And I said, Scott, thank you so much, but guess what just happened? Uh, I need some perspective here. Where is runway 21L? Is right, that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So we immediately, he was able to get into his mode, and here we are working the story behind the scenes for Sabrina Cupid, who's on the air, Chris Chandler, who's on the air, and uh, and Veronica, Veronica Harrell. I told her, take a look at all the cameras. Look at Shamley, Tucker, Buford Highway. Is there any traffic implications? The plane crash ended up being on the field, uh, on the field adjacent to one of the runways, um, and Scott went into his mode as a newsman, gathering his sources. So we were all working our sources as a team to get the most accurate information. There was some information that went out initially that I related to the newsroom. Then we called it off, saying, "Well, that's not that what that is," and they weren't able, they didn't put it on the air. But uh, we just want to be as accurate with it. We want to be first, but we want to be right. And when when you started gathering information, there was a point in the process, if I remember right. That you did? Did you drive to PDK and just kind of relayed images back of what was going on? I had started doing traffic at home, and I left a little earlier than I normally would. I probably left three, uh, you know, just before three o'clock when I normally right. would leave at three thirty to take off at four forty-five. And I positioned myself in an area uh, on the west, on the uh, east side of the airport that I had at least a scene. It, it was it was well deep in the airport. There's no way that we would have been able to get close to where the scene was, but I had right. an active. I could see it. And then I actually saw when the airport reopened, jets taking off above, going above what was Charlie pad, the helicopter pad. So yeah. we could confirm that the airport was shut down, but then it reopened as jets were literally taking off in front of me. And I was starting to get questions on the operations side. Oh, is the chopper going to fly? And, of course, I'm in Charlotte. And, and I mean, I feel like there's nothing I could do to further this story, really. I mean, I'm I'm – Checked out. I, you know, I go to go meet somebody for lunch up there. You know, in the NASCAR world, and, and I'm like, I'm like, I mean, you know, I'm getting emails. I think PDK is closed. And I'm thinking, I just, I think I may have even forwarded it to you. I think because I knew you were flying and I knew you were on it, so I, I didn't really worry too much about it. And that's the thing because we have such a strong team. It's very much. And when I say next person up, I don't mean the person that's on the depth chart below you. I just mean next person up on the team, you know, next to you. You you cover uh, afternoons that I'm off. I do mornings when you're off. And I knew, especially with your expertise, that we were going to have this covered. With Veronica's expertise in traffic and then Mike Shields, Alex Williams coming behind her to take over the, the ground crew, if you will, we were going to have it covered. So that's, that's one of those deals where I, I feel really blessed as a colleague to have such great people to be able to lean on when I, when I need a day. <laughs> well, and I, you know, no one, if, if you really love the business that we're in, we, we this is what organically we do. And um, I'm kind of uneasy with praise. That's why I, it was amazing Scott's timing for being so nice to say how bad the week was and how well we did. 
And then for me to turn it around going, I need your expertise here as a pilot to help me out on a breaking news story. He had no idea it happened. It happened 10 minutes before he texted me. Yeah. What I say is, and I tell you this all the time, and I tell others, it's what we do. What? It's what we do, and we're happy to do it. We're proud to do it. And when you know when it's time to put it into that fifth gear, we're there doing it, and we're doing it for the public's sake. And that's the thing. It is for the. It's it's for everybody's sake. We help each other too, so we can help yeah. you all, the listening public. And I mean, when, when we're not working, we're also the listening public. Mm-hmm. So there's also that to consider. Uh, that that really has to be your north star. Are you going to get into the silly, silly comparison, chasing money, skipping station to station, trying to get the next big job game? And, and really, we have a great rubric over here, a great framework that allows us to do that. So we're thankful to the people at 95.5 WSB and within our company that allow us to still do this when it'd be easy to fold chairs and say, turn on a GPS app. So thank you for conveying your perspective on that story. Before we get to Coleman Fisher and and talking about the the car shortage, when's best to buy and finance a car and shop for insurance for one, Let's let's jump back into fall traffic mode. We sort of talked already about the friction points of traffic, people that are they telecommuting or not. But I want to talk specifically because we're recording this right in the thick of the fall semester. And I and I want to ask you first, and then I want to offer my perspective, Smiling, of what we are now seeing, even in comparison to last fall or even this past spring, because fall and spring to us are comparable. Really, that's when you see the biggest surges in traffic, the least vacations. So what, what, what do you see now is just an overall traffic pattern, and I'm including even what you observe just as a motorist in middays or when you fill in for me in afternoons or whatever. Well, just when you thought you could get somewhere with no traffic or be there on time, you better plan ahead. Um, and no matter what time of day, uh, the school zones are active now. The school zones are in play. The bus barns are, it was the strangest sight, Doug, seeing those bus barns full of buses during the middle of the school year during the pandemic when it was virtually all learned from home. Now the buses are cleared out. They're on the roads. School zones are active. Folks are trying to get where they need to. Yes, the middays, the afternoons, construction's up and running. It seems like everywhere in northeast Atlanta, around the Cheshire Bridge Road, that's still shut down, corridor, Piedmont, you'll, you'll find yourself in jams that you don't expect, and that's why we hope you lean on us, either through the Triple Team Traffic Alerts app or with traffic constant updates on 95.5 WSB, that we can help you get around these jams that can turn up at any time, but a lot of people are out on the roads. I hear you almost every afternoon talk about how busy it is okay. all around. And I'm, I need to come up with another catchphrase because I open, usually I ask Chris for an extra 301 report. Those yeah. aren't institutionalized that we have to ask them every day because they, they have a tight network clock as they transition into the Hannity show. And, uh, and so I, I usually say, well, Chris, busy all over town. And then I just emphasize the one major unusual slow part because some afternoons, especially Mondays, it's a, there's kind of the weekend hangover thing going on, and you just don't see as much yellow and red on the Triple Team Traffic Alerts app when you start the drive. But then you open it up on Tuesday or certainly by Wednesday, and it's like, oh. And, and, and frankly, we've said this before in here, we don't have time to tell you all the yellows and reds. We got. We, it's better for us, more impactful for you even, to take a deeper dive on your 285 Washington roads, your 575 sixes, your 85 south of 400, the, the, the lady off the bridge, the bridge collapsing in Newton. It actually pays more dividend to motorists to be able to paint that picture like Smilin did this morning. Okay, if you're on 285 South on the west side, please don't go below I-20. Instead of just mentioning there's a crash and then going to the next thing, because we don't have time for it all. So we take a deeper dive and use the expertise and all the tools we have to do that. So that's 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 how we approach, especially when we have so many delays around town. We now. take a deeper dive, but all still cognizant of the time restraints that we're in. Well, um, yes, yeah, so that, you know what I mean. That too. Yeah. So there, there's a balance there you have to achieve, and the traffic jam that you're in means the most to you. So it's it's yeah. really listening. It, there's an art of listening as you're listening to uh, 285 on the west side is not going to uh, bother me. But if you're stuck on that 400 jam, you should hear also that we're trying to get you around that. What I love to do is come into the newsroom when I and we work remotely most of the time and you see our colleagues. And my colleague Bill Cayacho looks up and he, he goes, hey, smiling, can I get a news lead? Because we're always saying, <laughs> hey, Bill, hey, Amanda. That's Hey, can we get a news? Can we get a traffic lead? So it's like he'll go, "Hey, smiling, can I get a news lead?" And so that's our little inside joke. Too. You know, there is a little bit. I, th- I think sometimes around the news barn, 
there's a little bit of like, oh god, traffic again. You know, but it's, uh, we have so many pro- like over and over, almost every day now warrants us having an extra report at 3:01 p.m. because there's an unusual traffic incident, something you're not expecting to run in, run into right as school's getting out. It, almost every, I mean, uh, at least two or three mornings a week, there's a time when you have to add in an extra traffic report or some red alert or breaking traffic trouble imagery in because there's something. So what we're saying to everyone is like, okay, we're no longer in the late April, early May of 2020 mode where it's people either doing 100 miles an hour on the road or crashing. We're also not in this middle ground pre-vaccine where a lot of things were still closed, but you'd have random pockets of slow traffic. We're really back almost, not all the way, into our old traffic patterns. And you, and if and if we're not all the way, you need to plan like it all the way because sometimes it's worse. Yeah, and morning drive is now developing, like I said, after 6.30, 6.45. But I tell you what, in my decision in calling for our newscast, there's an adjustment period. They've, they've got the lead story. If traffic has to bump, there has to be an adjustment made. If a picture that I saw come across takes my breath away, then I have the ability to describe that or try my best to describe it. That is a that's the top yeah. local story right there, yeah. and it's going to be impactful for the folks who are in that area. And then you'll be hearing about it later or seeing it later, either on social media, on your newscast, or other other venues. You'll see what we were talking about. Uh, so we have that judgment, and we, we use our judgment because of experience. Uh, for, for sure there. So thank you for lending that. And we'll be sure to be the first ones to break in if we end up find Bron- finding Brian Laundry under the Newton County oh. Bridge. Okay, so that's uh, – no. <laughs> that's I mean, I don't laugh about that. But, I mean, God, so there's been so much about that, and we know a lot of you care about that. So that is something uh, every afternoon I mean, in the mornings – yeah, a lot of the stories have been st- things that have congealed from overnight, and then you extract the breaking stories, and those really pop at Atlanta's morning news. And then through the day, as Sabrina Cupid takes over, it's you have the the big machine that's churning, especially stories out of Washington and politics. And then you get to PM Drive, and it's time for analysis. You know, Mark Aram's bringing in Phil Holloway and bringing in Channel Two reporters and the Veronica Waters of the Ahmad Arbery trial, and 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 really analyzing. And then you have like what we had uh, just yesterday as we record, and, and by the time you hear this this will be different news but the the press conference at the swamp in florida right. where they have found remains were at that time not sure if it's brian laundry or not in the gabby petito case that all of this happens and again you can read news aggregators you could go and get but there's sometimes there's a, a depth that i think you just can't get anywhere but right here on 95.5 wsb whether it's traffic or news we got to talk about our girl again, Christina Edwards with the weather. Kirk Mellish is still churning out his blogs about uh, the winter patterns and how bad La Nina is going to be or not this year. So check that out at WSBRadio.com. Oh, 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 and the Braves. Oh, yeah. And, and, and look, we, we don't have Jay Black with us anymore as our sports director, but we've got a lot of passionate people in our news and traffic teams that uh, that that love the Braves and are not only covering all of the mania. Robin Walensky's done a heck of a job yeah. as a field reporter doing that, but but also just trying to cover the traffic impact. Traffic pacing on 285 as games are getting out. In fact, this recently wrote in Gridlock Guy about how since it's so hard to plan work zones and work crews, it's really hard to plan around Braves playoff games. Stay off the north side perimeter after a game and go into town and up, and you avoid that. So you get that all from live people. Well, and we need... And we need good news stories. And the Braves... You know, we'll see how long they continue with this taping. They're doing pretty well right now. Um, that brings us all together, and there's been some tough times the city has had to go through. So to have a story like that, and uh, let alone if you're a dogs fan, you're feeling pretty good about yourself, too. Yeah, woof, woof, woof. And we have traffic reports getting you to and from the dogs games, too. I'm glad you said that, smiling. All right, any parting shots here before we get into our interview with Coleman Fisher, my friend? I'm exhausted. I think my voice is hoarse after talking all morning, but I'm, I'm happy that we can uh, shed some insight on what we do because you can probably tell we really like what we do. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we really do. And it, and that does that goes a lot further than us. A lot of the people that you hear around the clock on our team, we've named a lot of them, but too. Let me throw some ones we haven't named in. You know, like a Mike Boozer, a Zach Grizzle, a David Hubbard, a George Clark, who's new to our team. We have some new people we're starting to train and get ready as well. We're all passionate about it, passionate about serving you. And, hey, we get a lot of adrenaline when we get to go in the air with a heartbeat and talk about something that we know that if we were in the car, we would care about. So certainly there's a chance you might. So thank you for trusting us, whether it's live on 95.5 WSB or any of our 
sister music stations, Channel 2 Action News with Heather Catlin, a part of our team now, and, and Mike Shields supporting her in that role. And, and of course, on the Triple Team Traffic Alerts app, which we've just signed a new contract to make yeah. sure that's coming to you for several more years. And, uh, and uh, you know, now, now Smiling and I, uh, we each have Freddie Freeman's agent. So we're, we're each working on our contracts as well. No, I'm just kidding. That's that. We're not going to do the Von Hessler thing and talk about our contracts. I'm just, that's a, that's a joke. Okay. But thank you all so much for listening to the triple team traffic portion of this podcast. But now I'd like to bring in Coleman Fisher from Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance to offer his knowledge. He is somebody as well who's passionate in his role as an insurance agent. You'll want to hear that. So let's talk straight into, again, traffic guy here, wheels are spinning, want to talk about the car buying process, all right? Uh, here with Coleman Fisher from George Farm Bureau Insurance. All right, Coleman. So I, I've, I've seen some numbers recently. I've heard some talk. You know, uh, Clark Howard on 95.5 WSB says this. Eric Erickson even went through this process himself, mm-hmm. saying how he decided his daughter's a teenager, and he's just going to him buying her a new car because it's, only a few thousand dollars more than the used car because the used car market is so scarce. So I, I know you're not selling cars. You're selling insurance. But when I think about it, in my mind, I think, okay, the more expensive the thing, the potentially more the insurance could cost. And, but then also the newer the car, the more safety features it has. So where do you, where does, as an insurance agent, you find the equilibrium or where should a customer, I guess, is the better question, find the equilibrium between Getting the the newer thing that has the safer stuff, but it also is worth more because uh, they're already paying a ton for the car. So wh- where do you settle with that with insurance? Do you say try to find a lightly used car, or you say go ahead and do brand new, or go find a 1991 Buick Regal? I mean, what what <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. This uh, the answer to this one has multiple layers, um, but I can say that that yes, we do give some discounts. For cars that have safety features, um, you know, the, the typical ones that most cars have these days uh, that are, you know, 15 years old or, or newer, and especially the new cars, is the anti-lock brakes, anti-theft systems, passive restraints like your, your airbags. Um, but like I said, those are pretty much standard on, on the new cars across the board. So you are getting some credit for that uh, with a new one. Um, the thing you have to understand with the new cars, like you said, is while they may be safer, they also are significantly more valuable. Um, and they, they have come to the point where they're also significantly more to repair, which does translate, uh, into the insurance rates on. Uh, hey, and let's and, break and that down to, uh, to repair. And cause I've heard a, an insurance person actually say this to me specifically. You get a dent in your bumper, big deal, right? But now it's a dent in a bumper that's full of sensors and cameras. I mean, that's basically all that stuff that gives you lane assistance, rear view camera, all of that. The, the you know things you haven't even mentioned yet that are even newer, right? The, the different cameras on the car. The, the weird way, by the way, that your car can see you from above you. Yes. I don't know how that. I still don't get that. But uh, no that, but uh, <laughs> but all those things that it. it it's, it, you know, your shade tree mechanic probably isn't going to be able to take care of that. That's you know, usually a dealership repair or just a really expensive part to replace. So I, I just wanted to fill in that blank because that blows yes. me away too. Yeah. Yes, it, it sure does. It sure does. Yeah, windshields are $1,200 now because they've got sensors and cameras in them, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and, and insurers have to make sure that the rates for the property damage liability, the, the coverage that you have for damage done to somebody else's car, is sufficient uh, to make sure that they can repair those more expensive cars, not only the coverage for your own vehicle. Um, you know, it, it's driving rates up from both sides of the equation. Uh, we all see Teslas and Mercedes-Benz driving around out there that could easily cost 50000 or more to repair or replace if you get in an accident with it. You know, if not seventy five, you know, I, I'm sure there's a Tesla out there that's probably a $100,000 car. Um sure. You know, you add the cost to repair the brand new car you just bought in that claim and, and, and the bills start stacking up and that can be a pretty hefty, you know, payout by the insurance company. Um, and that certainly affects rates. Now, with all that said, everybody's rate for a given car is going to be different. Um, 
there's so many metrics that go into determining the rates these days that it's impossible to generalize and say that a new car will be cheaper than a used one for somebody uh, or vice versa. So here again, I'm going to say always call your agent. Have the VIN number of the car that you're wanting to uh, to buy or, or thinking about buying and say, hey, can you just tell me what my rate will go to if I swap cars and trade in on this new one? Um, or, or, you know, buy it outright, you know, if you're going to a new agent or whatever, ask for a quote on it. That's the safest way to make sure that you don't get in over your head with a high rate on a new car. Um, you know, when you're sitting there with the sales guy at the dealership and you've just signed the papers and then you call your insurance agent. Yeah. Um, whether it's used or straight off the production line, I always advocate call me, ask me what the, the rate's going to be. If you have the VIN number, you know, that's all we need to be able to give you uh, an accurate figure on what your rate's going to go to. And that way you can know. Um, and to illustrate that, I actually ran some quotes for vehicles on myself uh, to show the difference between a used vehicle and a new vehicle. Yeah. Same year, same model uh, and, and make, just 10 years difference in age. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I drive a pickup currently. That's what I know. Uh, so that's what I quoted because I can kind of I, I, I have a better feel for the market on those than I would a, a passenger car. That's the only sure. reason I did that. I know most people do drive passenger cars, um, but it will still pickups be are swanky now, though. Man. There's nothing there's nothing uh, big, boxy. Well, they're big, but there's nothing boxy country about a, a pickup now, man. I mean, they're, I did those sell as much as as the big SUVs now. So as far as cost, I mean, so, yeah, it's crazy. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. So. The first quote I ran on myself, 24-year-old male, uh, no tickets or accidents uh, to be surcharged, surcharged for within this quote. Um, a 2011 Chevy Silverado, 72,000 miles. Uh, Ooh, that's, that's good. For, that's for sale for 45495 All right. Now, interesting point. That same truck's MSRP in 2011 was 44995 So it is selling for more 10 years down the road than you would have paid for it in 2011. That's how crazy the used market is right now. Trucks are especially uh, are wow. especially nuts right now. Um, anyhow, 24-year-old male living in zip code 30052 uh, east of town there with no accidents or tickets in the last three years, 500 deductible full coverage, uh, which is what the finance company will make you carry, you know, $1,000 deductible or less if you have a, a loan for, for the car purchase. Um, on myself, that would cost me 198 a month if you pay it monthly, okay? That same make and model truck, but a 2021-year model uh, that costs almost 72000 to drive off the lot, the rate would be 218 a month. For me, mm, okay. all right. Same coverages, apples to apples coverages. So, so that's twenty dollars a, a month more. That's not a huge difference. Um, now, like I said, there's so many metrics that go into that rate. I could not pinpoint what would make that difference. Uh, what it is, and not bigger or not smaller. Um, the the coverage on the physical damage coverage parts, comprehensive and collision. They were a little bit higher. That is because that vehicle costs more uh, to repair and is more valuable at this time. But um, everything else was pretty much the same on it. Um, so that kind of shows you the difference in you and new, new and used rather. But like I said before, nobody's rate is going to be the same as the next person. Always call your agent and have them check it for you before buying. I've personally swapped vehicles for clients that upgraded to a new car. That was just, uh, you know, a couple model years newer going from like a 2016 to a 2021. And I've seen the rate go down. Um, mm. it, it can happen that way too. Uh, so always call and check because you, you never know. So, but, but it seems like it's almost a wash then old versus new. I mean, just depending. It's if it could go up, if it could go down, if it could be a 10 year difference and only a $20 increase per month. And one way to look at it is you're listening to this and maybe thinking about a car purchase. So, okay. I just want to say, I, I didn't buy cars uh, new in my 20s. I was 31 years old when I bought my first car, like, off a lot with a loan and the whole bit. Because I, always, I used to buy cars off Craigslist, okay? Like, I, I didn't yeah. have any money. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, but you have the euphoria of buying the new car, right? And, and there's all these different things to program into it. Same with buying a house. 
maybe one way to look at it, and just using the metrics you used, and you you yourself, Coleman, were the control variable, a a non-ticketed 24-year-old driver, so we'll just control for that. Right. If if you're paying 20 extra dollars a month because it's newer and it has the more safety features, you can just think of it as like, hey, I'm paying almost Netflix per month to make sure my car is safer. And then it maybe maybe you could swallow that pill a little better if twenty dollars a month makes you sweat. I mean that's I don't know. Am I looking at that wrong? That's that's how I try to break these things down. We bought a new living room, you know, living room furniture a few months ago, and I was like, okay, well over ten years, I guess this will be only a few bucks a month. So it makes me feel better because it's going to last me more than ten years. So maybe like that. <laughs> right, right, and that, and that's a perfectly fair way to look at it. And if you're in the market for a car, you know, the fact that a twenty eleven. Uh, pickup truck that I just plucked off of the internet is selling for more than it did off the lot 10 years ago. That for me, uh, and for a lot of people I've talked to is enough to make you just look at the new one. Uh, yeah. and yeah, like you're saying, you know, if you're, if your insurance rate is 20 bucks a month higher, 30, 40, 50 bucks a month higher, and, and that's something that, that isn't going to put you in the poorhouse, then yeah, certainly that makes it a lot easier to swallow that pill. And can I just say this too? Don't wait until you're caught up in the euphoria of the new car smell when that, when, when you've already had your car, if you're doing it at a dealership and the salesperson has gone back to the manager three times and has finally yes. given you the employee discount to finally go, Oh yeah, I need insurance because you're probably at that point going to say yes to whatever <laughs> and make sure whether it's re-upping with your agent or if you're shopping around and, and again, gfbinsurance.com. Great place to look. Find the agent. There's one in all but one county in Georgia. Uh, you know, uh, shop around for that too. Shop around for the car loan too. By the way, now, hey, this may be a dumb question. If someone were to overpay for a car, whatever the situation, new or used, does that affect their insurance rate, or does insurance really get plugged into more what the value of the car is? So what they actually pay for it. Uh, it is not something that we input in the quote or, or the policy itself. Um, the, the figure, uh, that we are concerned with and that the rates, uh, are based off of in part, uh, for that vehicle is the cost new. So that's the MSRP. Um, that is what makes the, the coverage on that physical damage, the, co- the comprehensive and collision. That is partly what drives those coverages. What they actually pay for it after the finance charges and after dock fees and everything like that, uh, that doesn't matter to us. And all that information is attached to the VIN number. Uh, yeah. and, and that's not something that, uh, I actually have to enter or, or you know, most other agents, I, I don't believe they actually have to enter that manually. It all pulls off of that VIN number. Um, so the, the fact that you may have, have overpaid for a given vehicle, um, is not a concern to your insurer. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that, that, that's really good to know. You're pulling off of what the straight, you know, MSRP or blue book or whatever right, right number is. Okay. That's very helpful there. Okay. One last thing I want to ask here before we cut you loose, Coleman, and th- thank you for making so much time this morning to join us here and uh, this time on the WSB Traffic Podcast. Is, is about young drivers and teen drivers. So we've already talked about youngish or maybe new car buyers. Again, I bought clunkers up until 2017, you know, and, yeah. and, and even then, I mean, even then since I bought a used car, right? So it's, that's it, not a new thing I do very often. Um, but, but for newer teen drivers, I, the reason that kind of prompted me to ask the question I asked you before is because I saw data for the Insurance Institute of Highway Safety, the IHS, and I wrote my gridlock guy column recently about this, about how teen drivers, it used to be a given. You buy them the oldest, crappiest, most analog, cheapest, whatever car. That's because teens are inevitably worse drivers because they're inexperienced and they're more reckless. And what because cars are so safe now, especially in the last, I mean, you mentioned 15 years, but really, gosh, even five to seven years, all these new little gizmos have been put into cars. They they just have so much more safety features that numbers are now saying, again, via the IIHS, when they controlled for crashes that were impacted by certain behaviors and then cars that had certain features, it was something like 
70% less likely to be fatal or 68% less likely to be fatal. It decreased the number of crashes, the number of injuries, uh, and, and also the people in the surrounding cars, too. So well, what is your take on that, I guess, uh, about buying a teen a car and then getting a teen driver insured? Because initially they're going to start out with their parents' plan. That's right. That's right. Uh, unless they were to buy the car on their own and be the only name on the title, uh, in that situation, they would need to get their own policy. But if, you know, in a lot of cases, kids either co-own uh, and the parents, the primary owner, uh, in which case they can be on their parents plan um, or they or they uh I lost where I was going there. If they co-own, they can be on their parents' plan. If they if they buy it themselves, then yes, they do need to go on their own. But and then they often uh, get just added as a driver, then, right? Right, right. If there's already three vehicles that the parents own and they just had an extra, or they bought an extra in advance of their kid getting licensed, yes, add them as a driver, uh, and they're ready to go. Um, generally speaking, I do advise my clients, uh, you know, an older vehicle. If if you need to. If you need to have it uh, as affordable as possible, the older the vehicle, if you can buy it for cash uh, and you can just carry liability and uninsured motorist coverage on it, that will significantly reduce your costs. Mm. Um, the rates for those team drivers have, have absolutely exploded. Um, the, the biggest part of it is the liability coverage for them um, because they are, like you said, more prone to get in an accident. Uh, especially with another car. That's that's what most of the accidents out there are. Uh, so the liability rates for teen drivers uh, are, are really what have exploded. The physical damage coverage for the vehicle that they're driving, uh, it's certainly gone up too. But that is what you can mitigate by buying right. a driver car, that, that you, you can decide whether it's worth carrying that coverage at all. Um, and... and if you have a car that's paid off, you can raise the deductible on it to lessen that blow a little bit. Um, but on the flip side of the coin, like you said, uh, a lot of people are buying because of the market. They are buying newer cars or new cars for their teen drivers. Um, and then I, and I hate to go back to it again, but you just can't generalize. I, I've seen some where the, the kids rate on their parents policy uh, for a, you know, a passenger car is very reasonable, if not, you know, almost the same as the parents rate on their cars, uh, when you break it down to a per vehicle premium. I've also seen it, uh, and a lot of times it can double their premium to get mm, the kids wow. on the policy, uh, and on a new-ish or new car. Um, it's different for everybody. Um, you know, generally, Boys seem to be, in my experience, boys seem to be a little bit more exp uh, expensive. Um, the the type we of we have a little more lead in our in our right feed, though. I mean, that's the, it's it's evolutionary. Yeah, that's not something we can help. Not something we can help. Um, <laughs> yeah. SUVs, you know, SUVs seem to to cost a little bit more, um, but that that's all just you know personal experience data. That's certainly not backed up by by uh, data points on my end, but. Uh, yeah, the, the, the buying an older car, uh, put them in a clunker theory certainly does reduce costs, but you've got to, like any decision, uh, that, that involves a big purchase, uh, and your children's safety, you've got to weigh that, uh, you, you've got to weigh that out. You know, the safety features in the newer car, that might be worth paying a little more in insurance for you. Um, and yeah. you can also think of it, you, you know, there's there's another way to think of it. If you buy them a newer car, um, once they get out of the house, you can either turn the payment over to them or if it's paid off, retitle it to them and you'll save them having to buy a car, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight years down the road. So there's a lot of ways to look at it. But but like with anything, you know, call your agent, have them check the rate and weigh that decision out. It's all about what it's worth to you. Well, for sure. And, and safety is hard to put a cost on there. So you got to find just like if you're buying a new car for yourself, whether you're young or a senior citizen or anything in between, or you've got to just find that equilibrium between, you know, how much more do I want to pay, but how much better slash safer slash luxurious, whatever is it? And I think it goes the same for a home or, or for anything else too. And I know you all 
insure it all, right? So yeah, just get, get, give us the deal one more time there. What, what do you insure and where can they find you and what sets Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance apart? Yep. So we can insure just about anything, uh, your autos, your house, your farm, if you're in agriculture and everything to do with it. Um, if you're a small to medium sized business owner, we'd love to have a shot at your, uh, your general liability and everything attached to it as well. Um, we can help you with your, your life, your health, your disability, uh, everything uh, associated with that, even long-term care. Uh, if there's an insurance product out there that you need, we can help you get it all under one roof. Um, I'm located, like I said earlier, in Walton County out here in Monroe, right on the high, side of uh, Highway 78. Um, you can go on gfbinsurance.com to find my information or the local agent uh, and agency's information in your county or the, the county closest to you that you'd want to work with. Um, the, the stuff that sets us apart, our personal service is going to be something that's second to none. We live and work in the same community as you do, uh, and we're going to invest back in that community as well. Uh, so that's the, that's the selling point for Farm Bureau is that we want to work with folks in our community and give back to Georgians. When you insure with us, your premium dollars are going to stay in Georgia. And that, that's nice. Putting it right back into the community, and you're calling the agent's office, like you, Coleman, and talking to the agent or one of the people in the office and not waiting on hold for you know an hour or something like that or waiting for a call back. Well, thank you for making the time with us here on the WSB Traffic Podcast. I, I've learned a lot myself. I mean, we, and, and I know there's different things we could dig into. Maybe we'll have to catch up another time here and, and get more traffic nerdy like I like to get sometimes. So th- thank you so much. And I know you're a big WSB listener too, Coleman, so we appreciate that on our end too. Yes, sir. Appreciate you uh, having me on, Doug. I've enjoyed it, and, yeah, hopefully we can do it again in the future. So thanks again to Coleman Fisher from Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance there. He's at their location in Walton County, all right? But be sure to check them out at gfb.org to learn more about the local insurance agent near you. Thanks to Smiling Mark McKay for making the time and jumping in the Captain Herb Ballroom with me. And thanks to all of you for listening. We'll have a lot more on these zany, crazy, and, yeah, sometimes dangerous roads on future episodes of the WSB Traffic Podcast. Drive safely, and thanks for listening to Triple Team Traffic on 95.5 WSB. I'm Doug Turnbull. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.